everyone. Welcome to Comedy Girl Crush Podcast. I'm Kate Siegel. I'm Nikki Irvin, and our guest today is Madison Shepard. She's a stand-up comedian, a writer, an actress. She's written on, uh, she's been on Comedy Central, Fox, Amazon. Uh, she's written on the Emmys. She's done Punch-Up for Chris Brock, and she's in the upcoming show Single Drunk Female on Freeform. And we are so happy to have you on, Madison. Thank so you. thrilled. Yeah, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited to be here. Thank you for having me. You're uh, you're like you're a powerhouse. Uh, I'm sure you've heard <laughs> that before. Is that weird to no. say here? <laughs> no, I mean, it's fine. I'm definitely in a nightgown and, um, you know, half a waist <laughs> and a dirty hoodie. But yes, powerhouse. Yes. <laughs> Isn't it funny the way you like see yourself versus the way other people see you? Because I look at you and I'm just like, dude, you are crushing it. You are so I like I aspire to your level so hard. And it's just yeah, it's really it's really funny the way we see ourselves. Yeah, it's called mental illness. You know, yeah. like <laughs> if nothing's ever good. Will anything ever be good? You know, mm, mm, indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Start on and- a dark note. I apologize. <laughs> oh, <laughs> We get into it, I think, sometimes pretty quickly, you know? Yeah. It just, like, depends, like, what the mood is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes uh, we should start taking, like, uh, like bets on when we're going to get into childhood trauma. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Uh, five minutes until we start talking about our daddy issues. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, how long have you been doing comedy for? I started doing stand-up seven years ago. Uh, almost to the day actually and I before that I like dabbled in improv and sketch I like interned at IO very briefly and you know before that I like went to acting school I went to arts high so I like have always sort of acted and been creative and underpaid you know um (laughs) but so to answer yes long-windedly seven years (laughs) and you went to drama school in London right I did I yeah. really did. Did you ever, when you were like studying acting, did you see comedy as like a path that you were going to take or? No, I, first of all, I would, I mean, I wish I had found it sooner, frankly, mm-hmm. but you know, you come to the, you come to the important work of your life when you come to it. You know, I had, a, I had a lot of other things I had to deal with uh, first, but um no, I I never thought I was going to be a stand up. I always watched stand up and I would mm-hmm. like uh go to comedy shows and um I yeah, I I didn't think when I was in my early 20s that this is what I would be doing, but when I think about the things that I've always wanted for myself career-wise, like of it makes sense that I would be doing comedy, you know. It like uses all of my skills, I guess. What did you say what you wanted to do career wise? Like what was that before it was comedy? I wanted to perform every night, but mm. you know, I wanted to perform mm-hmm. every night and I wanted to write and I wanted to like, you know, very specifically live in a, a one bedroom apartment in Los Feliz with hardwood floors. You know, I had some <laughs> like very like <laughs> important goals. But um yeah, I didn't I just didn't realize that the thing that you could because I did theater, so I did like maybe two or three shows a year. You know, maybe a stage reading here and there, Mm -hmm. maybe an acting class. But that is like, you know, it's a lot of droughts uh, when you're starting out in acting. So I I didn't know that the thing that I could do 
performance-wise every night was going to be stand-up, and it is. What is it for you about performing that's, like, the thing that, like, I want to be able to do this every night? I'm not even all the way sure. I mean, I have been performing since, you know, my kindergarten talent show. Um, (laughs) I remember I did a lip sync and interpretive dance to Michael Jackson's uh, Black or White, you know? It was very oh, powerful, so very 1991. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I just remembered like being really scared walking out on the stage and then starting to like do all my like improvised dance moves and people like laughing and hooping and hollering because I mean, I'm sure it looked fucking very cute and ridiculous. Oh my, oh my gosh. <laughs> just, I didn't choreograph it. I just went out there and like winged it. Oh, That's yes. amazing. <laughs> and then like after like two sixth graders came up to me and they were like, that was so great. And I was like, oh my God, this is what I'm going to do the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, so a little bit of audience love. I don't know. Yeah, that instant <laughs> validation that's like mm-hmm. right off the bat. Yeah. What I yeah. mean, really, like what what else is better than that? Nothing. Heroin, maybe? <laughs> yeah. When it's like good, it's fucking incomparable. It's so delicious. And when it's horrible, it's like, well, I will cease to exist. <laughs> this was painful. Oh, man. Do you remember your worst show? I feel like there's so many worst shows. Um, <laughs> probably some Mike in the Valley or actually, yeah, it was like some. No, 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 no. I remember. So they used to have a show on. I don't even remember the name of the venue, but it was like right across. The old heads will know. It was it's right across from the Hollywood Hotel on Vermont and it was like this really shitty bar and people would get really shit faced there because they served cheap beer they kept the lights on and the TVs going oh. and uh yeah that was probably one of I and I did that show multiple times <laughs> um, that's probably like one of my worst ones ever. Man, I never went there, but I did the mic in the basement of the Hollywood Hotel a couple times. Famous. Famous. Is it? Yeah, it's famous for being horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Not good. See, you said Vermont, and I'm thinking about the uh, the Chinese restaurant where you would be like, you'd oh, go yeah. up into the upstairs into the this palace. like section, but like people are like dining below you. Yeah. And you're up there doing stand up comedy. I queefed up there once, like in a show, like <laughs> the queefing bit. And it was like, oh, people are eating duck downstairs. <laughs> and I'm making duck sounds with my vagina. <laughs> Yeah, this is Sorry. the other end of Vermont. These <laughs> <laughs> okay. are not yeah. the less classy end of Vermont. <laughs> like, when did you discover, like, or how did you discover? Like, what was what was the moment where you kind of found stand-up? And what, what was that like for you? I mean, so I was taking uh, improv and sketch classes at IO, and I was interning there. So I was there all the time. I was also at the, I mean crazily I was like working full-time and I was interning there and I also ran a theater company and I like produced and like helped write a couple of plays that I also acted in so I was just very busy but when I was at IO um I just remember thinking like improv was so white Mm -hmm. not that like stand-up isn't because like I now know that but at the time I was like wow it is there's no black people here 
there's like you know a few like sprinklings of like you know latinx and like asian folks so like a few you know a few black folks but it's not really and i i was just like a lot of this isn't fucking funny and i know that i'm funny uh and i started sitting in they had like a mic back in the day on like mondays and then they had a show called tiger lily on mondays and yeah. i like saw mark Marin there i saw ali wong there i saw like a lot of like really incredible performers and i was like <laughs> hubris like oh yeah this is something i could do right like <laughs> <laughs> yeah but turns well. out yeah not as well as them but you know i i do that's yeah i think that's sort of the jump and i was also living with a stand-up at the time so i was like i'm definitely funnier than you so like i i can do this were you like whole hog in were you just like yep this is this is what we're doing now uh or did you like ease into it well, the first time I ever did stand-up, it was seven years ago, but on May 5th or 4th or something. And I didn't even do a mic to prepare for my, like, five-minute set on my on the, like, backyard show in my apartment. Like, I didn't even, like, think that I needed to go to a mic or anything. And so I bombed, of course, but I was like, oh, that was great. I got to do that again, like, immediately. <laughs> and then I, like, didn't do any any stand-up for, like two months and then I took a class and then you know I just after the first class I just started like going to mics and I just got addicted to the like bizarre hustle of it all and so it took me like a month or two to like find what I needed to do but uh once I did it was like oh okay found my running buddies found the people that I was gonna go do mics with which was Lisa Chanu and Kelly McInerney we would do we were part of the, the Natasha Legero school of uh, baby stand-upping, which is like, you need to go up 30 times a month. And so that's what we did. Oh, oh, I like that a mm-hmm. lot. I don't think I'd heard that, but that's great. Yeah. What class What class did you take? Oh, she doesn't teach stand-up oh. anymore, so it's not worth plugging. <laughs> <laughs> but you do really have to, like, like the hustle, right, to, like, stick with it. I think that is the thing that gets in. It got in my way, and it, like, consistently gets in my way. But, like, that is something that you have to, like, I think you do have to enjoy it, right? You have to enjoy that sort of push, push, push. Oh, yeah. And, like, you have to be comfortable with, being in really uncomfortable places with very uncomfortable people and yeah I mean I I once I understood kind of like the hustle part of it like the grind um then I started I think it also coincided with like what stand-up could do for my like career as an actor as a writer and also I was developing this new skill stand-up so it was like that was sort of uh pushing me to do it um I I think if I wasn't like focused on the career outcomes, I probably wouldn't have like run myself ragged the way that I did for the last like seven years. But (laughs) (laughs) interesting. Do you do you feel like did you hit any breaking point with that at some point where you were like, oh, I don't have to do this to myself? Right before pandemic, I was actually like, yeah, I think I've grinded enough. You know, I've done that enough, and I was mostly getting on like shows and I really wasn't having a mic as much and I was starting to like do these like you know d and c rooms out of town and like headline there so I was like working out longer material uh in front of like a real paying audience so 
it was sort of changing me where I was like, I don't need, I just don't have to work this hard. Like, let me work smarter and not harder. And then the fucking pandemic happened. And then that was all I could do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that seems to be the case for quite a, quite a, or like all of us, like collectively. Yeah. As a, as a humanity. (laughs) Yeah. I look back at like old calendar entries from like, even two years ago, and I'm like, you did what? That's crazy. Why were you doing that? You don't have to do all of that. What's something that, like, you used to do in, like, part as part of your grind that now you're just, like, never again? Drive to Oxnard for five minutes. You know what I mean? On a show that was unpaid. Yeah. Um, for context, how long would... of a drive was that? It's like an hour and a half. Hour and a half for five minutes on an unpaid, unpaid. each way. Oh yeah. my gosh! So three unpaid. hours yeah. unpaid. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I used to just I, I always have to have like a day job because I don't come for money like a lot of people. So I'm always working full time and then going to you know a couple mics in a night and then maybe a show and then I'm hanging out at the bar because it's so-and-so's birthday and like oh that's gonna we're gonna like go to someone's house after to like drink and do drugs and then oh god I have to be at work in two hours okay power nap vaguely shower (laughs) be at work the next day at like nine I'm like "Ah, why I mean why (laughs) so you know, addiction and mental illness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically. Yeah. Well, what's so we were started mentioned before we started recording about that you are a, 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 another Texan. We got another Texan. Yes. Yeehaw! <laughs> I'm sorry. Yep. Uh, what is it about Texas that makes women want to do comedy? I mean, that I'm... feels loaded and already like I answered my question. <laughs> no, I mean, that's a good question, though. I feel like. All of the women in my family are outspoken, loud, funny, and tough. Mm. You know, like they just are. So I just think it's like part of the culture, maybe that, you know, I don't think that women in Texas are necessarily that demure. They might be conservative in some of their values or whatever, but if you agitate them, they become very vocal, very, you know, defiant. Um, and I think maybe there's some of that. Yeah. Do you see, do I you think know. that, would you classify yourself as vocal and defiant? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really thought I was going to get fired at work today because this like manager was telling me how I wasn't doing something right. And I was like, no, you're wrong. See, because I was doing it like this. And she's like, no. And I was like, uh, uh-uh, that was not my experience of this. And I was like, I'm fully going to get fired from work. I was like, okay, whatever. Like, <laughs> is what it is. You said that your family was funny. Was your, like, do you, did you have sisters or brothers? I mean, I have a half brother, but we didn't meet until, like, you know, we were teen, or I was a teen and he was, like, in college. But I, I was just raised by a single mom and I have hella cousins and mm-hmm. literally my funniest cousins. I'm like, why don't you do stay? Like, I don't understand how I ended up being the professionally funny one. <laughs> I'm like, maybe not the funniest person in my family. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I got like, hello, like really country ass living in trailers on the cattle ranch, like cousins who were just fucking funny. You know, they're just funny. It's funny how that happens. My younger sister is way funnier than I am. She is so much funnier than I am. And I'm just like, 
I everything I learned about comedy, I feel like I learned from my younger sister. And I don't know how it is that I'm the one who wound up pursuing it. Yeah, for sure. I have that with one of my cousins uh, who lives in Austin. And I mean, like out of conversations that we've had, I've like gotten new bits where I'm like, you're never going to use this. So it's mine now. <laughs> this like funny thing I just said. So, you know, it's mine. One of my brothers thinks he's the funniest, but it's just that like, he's better at like sharing memes. Oh, like like bless, he's very good bless. at like memes. He's like, ha, ha, I'm the funny one. Like, yes, actually, sadly, you probably do make more people laugh than I do. Uh, <laughs> nah. <laughs> um, a, an algorithm can create a meme. You know what I mean? <laughs> an algorithm can't write your funny material. So don't yeah, that. that's that, true. That is very, very true. Uh. So you, okay, so you grew up single, single mom, no siblings, lots of cousins. Were you and your cousins, like, were you around each other a lot? Did you, like, uh, were you competitive with them? No, they're all, I'm the baby of all the cousins. Um, so all of them were just, like, very cool and, like, very, like, 90s. You know what I mean? And I was like, <laughs> I want to be, like, all of you. You're so fucking cool. I... I would my mom would go through periods where she wasn't speaking to her siblings so there's like entire like chunks of my childhood where I wasn't around my cousins but I did get to see them you know some you know we grandmother's house was a neutral territory so we'd meet up there but I wasn't I I could I was not competitive with them and they were I mean you know they're like my youngest cousin is like six years older than me or something like I think oh okay is that true that's not true he's it's like three years but still it feels like a lot you know he's married with a kid and aquariums of fish and shit you know what I mean like it's like a... uh yes the sign of of true success <laughs> yes responsibility yeah if you can maintain an aquarium exactly exactly taking care uh... of multiple fish where did you do your undergrad or before you went to theater school in London? Where were you? So my family moved to California to get out of Texas and also for me to study and start working towards my career as an actor. And so Ooh. I went to Arts High here. Oh, so how old? And then? so I was 14. Oh, when wow. I moved here. It was oh, like awesome. freshman year of high school. Yeah. So, I mean, I've I've technically lived in California longer than I lived in Texas, but it's, you know, Texas forever. You know, it's just always going to be your most formative yeah. years. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I, I stayed in L.A. and then um, I worked like some jobs and did a few like shows. And I was like, I really want to like act. I really want to like do this for real and like be taken seriously i also did classical theater almost exclusively so i was like i need to be taken seriously and in order to do that i have to go to school but like it's cheaper to go to school in the uk and the schools are better supposedly so i went to the royal central school of speech and drama in london and then after a year i left uh because it was horrible it's a horrible place oh, very goodness. racist very classist ableist and homophobic so you know fuck them <laughs> yeah wow damn yep that sucks like what a disappointment i know yeah. i gave up my rent control apartment in koreatown to go there <laughs> <laughs> that's surreal though 
I don't know. It's I think that a lot of people get this like romantic idea of Europe is so much more advanced than we are, and it's like no, there's just more white people. Like, <laughs> I think I felt that same way. Yeah, but they want. I can say for England, they want you to like um, acclimatize. What's the word I'm looking for? Acculturate. What's you know? They want you to like become British. They want you to like fully embody that. And I'm like. No, I'm going to say fuck on the tube and yell at an old lady who tells me not to say fuck on the tube. Like, I'm going to do that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm so sorry. I am very rude and fed up and, you know, whatever. I'm from Texas. I'm loudmouth. I don't I don't care. You know, like I had a lot of issues with not like really fitting in with the culture. (laughs) Fuck them. Fuck them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100 percent. They're lost. Definitely. So what happened when you came back? Oh, it was horrible. I mean, I didn't have an apartment. I had also like had an eating disorder. So none of my clothes fit. So I didn't have any clothes. I was living back at my mom's. I was working part time at the mall. I was fucking comics and Mm. going to shows. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) The old chuckle, chuckle fucking period. Yes. It was only two comics, but it was like that. It was enough. enough. Oh, and now now do you get to be the chuckle fucky? Do you get guys that are like. Yes. No. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I don't know if that happens to female comics. I mean, maybe. I haven't had that experience. I have one. uh, I I hooked up with one. Like, I guess I had been doing comedy maybe like maybe like four years or something, five years. And I hooked up with like a guy who had been doing it a number of months. And so like occasionally he'd be like, we'd be like post coital. And he's like, can I ask you (laughs) something about comedy? And I'm like, yeah, I guess this is, <laughs> you know, that's probably as close as I got. To that. that seems sweet. Did you, were you flattered? Did you find that flattering? I felt like a man, you know, I was like, oh, look at me. Like, cause I had been in that position before sleeping with a comic who's older than me. And I was like, but what about this? You know? And it was just like, oh, look at me giving back to the community <laughs> pussy and like, you know, good advice. <laughs> Well, we appreciate getting to talk to you uh, uh, pre-coital. <laughs> no, no, yeah. yeah. Oh, we're totally all going to fuck after this. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm vaccinated. I am DTF. I'm fucking ready it out there. <laughs> oh, God. No, no. Sorry. You just came onto our podcast and we're like, <laughs> by crush, we mean we're going to hate on you. <laughs> Predators. <laughs> that should have been our I, name. I'm... <laughs> no, it's okay. I, it's you know, it's on Zoom. You're not even in the state. Uh, it's okay. You know, That's like true. it's it's all good. I'm in Atwater. You're Culver. It's yeah. never gonna happen. It's long distance. My God. <laughs> I used to live in Culver. Uh, I really like it over there. There's a good. I liked the mic that's at the what's that? The Cinema Bar. I really like that mic. Yeah, that mic is wild though. Sometimes. I remember one time I did a mic there and like almost got in a fight because somebody was like kept trying to take the mic from me who was like in the audience because they were too drunk and eventually they got kicked out. Another time I did a mic in Culver City, I have a lot of trauma here, (laughs) where a drunk guy kept trying to heckle me and I'm like, you can't heckle me. I have a mic. I'm just going to be louder than you and I'm just going to out talk you and outwit you because you're falling down drunk. And he waited outside the mic for me. And like another comic had to like walk me to my car because this dude was going to like attack me. Oh my God. Or something. I don't know. 
Yeah. Damn. That is. Oh, damn. What did well, you, you know. like? What did you like? How did you feel like? Were you shaken up after that? Or was it? I felt really taken care of by the comic who like walked me. I was like, look at this little community. <laughs> <laughs> A man who's like risking his safety as well to like take care of me. That's sweet. That's good. But, um, yeah. Yeah. So anyways, it's wild. That cinema, it's wild on the West Side. <laughs> The Wild West Side. <laughs> it doesn't get spoken on enough, frankly. Is it like Cinema Bar? I remember because there's like it's just a bar, right? So a lot of people are there just like mm-hmm. after work drinks, and so like you're performing. It's like kind of fun because you're performing for an actual audience. You're like getting you know real feedback. feedback. Yeah. Um, and I remember West Side Comedy by or a comedy theater was a little bit like that too because you're just getting people off the promenade, but you do get a lot of really drunk people because they're just out to have a good time. Yeah, that was a mic. I I miss that mic. I always I couldn't always make it because I had another, you know, I was always at a mouthy pants, mouthy pants slash killer mic, which was in the valley. So sometimes I wouldn't be able to make it in time to West Side Mike. But when I did, I was like, wow, this is like dope as fuck. I go where the love is. You know, I go where I'm booked. I go where people are going to pay me. And uh, that's not always the case at the clubs, but maybe also because you know in LA it's about credits and shit like that so maybe you know now that I have this TV credit uh that you know that's coming out that maybe I'll be able to do more club stuff but so you said you're an east side comic is that why you decided to do your album at the Silver Lake Lounge yes the scene of the crime (laughs) is that like you're like one of your home bases for comedy it was yeah um I I remember when I first did the Silver Lake mic, um, I was terrified because it was like all the very cool East Side comics or what I thought was cool. But like looking back, I'm like, fucking losers. <laughs> um, all the very cool East Side comics were there. And it was like the first place that I like started that and Mouthy Pants were like the mics when I first started that um, Mouthy Pants at the other door, which then was killer mic and doesn't exist anymore. But uh I would go to those regularly and I became like a regular there. I hosted mics at Silver Lake. I hosted shows at Silver Lake. Silver Lake to me was just, it started out being a very scary, terrible place, but then it ended up being a place where I felt very at home, like Mario behind the bar, you know, treats, still treats me like family. You know, I never had to touch my wallet when I was in there. So it was like, for an alcoholic it was like yeah shots on you shots on the house let's get fucked up so I would just get drunk (laughs) all the time so I think that's why I did it there also because it was a free venue and like yeah yeah. you know so when when the the people that you were like oh they're so the scary you know successful east side comics and now you're like now they're trash uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say that, but they're just losers. You know what I mean? Like, I, what does loser mean to you? Yeah. It just means that, like, you know, we're peers. We're not, they're not so much cooler or fancier. The, the gap between us the, that I saw when I was a baby comic is less so now. Like, I don't, I don't feel that as much, you know? Whether or not that's true remains to be seen. But, yeah, I just feel like it's they're less ahead of me. I, I, I'm not as ahead. Of, you know what I mean? It's just a more even playing field. So I just, I, I don't mean they're actual losers. They're all very nice people. I'm sure. <laughs> right. You know? But I just mean like, I'm not, they ain't shit. I ain't shit. I ain't scared. So who, who is shit to you? Who scares you? Oh man. 
Uh, you know, I thought it was going to be Chris Rock, but he was not scary. And also because it was on Zoom, it was just like watching him on TV. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it was like not real in some way because it all happened on Zoom. Comics that scare me? I don't know, man. There's just so many really fucking funny people. I don't want to get into like the naming names of like who actually scares me, but there's some very fucking... <laughs> You know, that doesn't, that's between me and my therapist, but there's some very, very funny comics in LA. A lot of really funny women. Yes. Vanessa Gonzalez, yes, Marce- Marcelo Aguayo, Maggie May. Oh, my know, gosh. Atsuko Akatsuka. Like so many killers. Maggie May. So funny. Naomi F. Kurgan. Uh, my God. How could I forget? Love all of the people you just named. But also, I want to ask about punching up jokes for Chris Rock over Zoom. How did that how did that work? Was it like he's like would he like tell you the joke and then be like, make it funny? Um, so we were working on a project of his, and so we went through the script page by page and oh. pitched jokes for the script and character stuff and story stuff, like page by page. That's so cool. Oh, I got like one big belly laugh out of him, and I'm like, I could die happy. <laughs> I'm cool. I'm all right. Did you get to be like, yeah, I don't really think that works to Chris Rock. Yeah. Was that like kind of a surreal experience or? I, again, I'm just so opinionated and like I, there was just some stuff like obviously it's brilliant and he's so funny and he's such a great writer, but you know, that's why he hired to you know uh, various writers not just me but like a a handful of other writers to like go page by page to make this that was what I was being paid for I was a hired hand and so it wouldn't serve me and it wouldn't serve him if I wasn't being honest so that that's I guess how I got like on the other side I think sometimes when I get really anxious um about something I just stay in service to other people and stay in service to the work and the person that I'm you know the actor in this case Chris Rock or you know I'm trying to just be in service of what we're doing versus like worrying about how I'm being perceived because it's not going to help me it's going to actually tank me to be selfish versus like doing the thing that I'm paid to do ultimately i hope that this is something that will like help me like continue to keep my cool when i have to work with very famous people (laughs) um (laughs) you know who i grew up watching on tv but yeah i think that's probably there's some advice you can take yeah no i was gonna say that's like you know brilliant advice is like if you're focused on yourself and how other people are perceiving you you're not doing the job that you're supposed to be doing in any form of comedy Right. right It's selfish, too, and it's egotistical and egocentric. It's like, yo, you're not that important. (laughs) (laughs) Like, straight up, you're just not that important or interesting, girl. Get on with it. And trusting, too, like, (laughs) trusting and having faith that, like, you were chosen for the, the, like, you were chosen for your talent. You were chosen for this skill because you fulfill a need. Uh, That plays a part in it, too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't think it serves anybody to have imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that like women, queer folks, and and the like. Like, I don't think it serves us. We don't have the time. We already are playing with the deck stacked against us. So, like, get in, get out, be vicious, be cunning, do what you need to do. 
provide, you know, do your best work. But literally, if you have the job, if you've been hired, you have the job. Like what's for you will be for you. And no amount of, oh, I'm not ready. No, you, if you weren't ready, you wouldn't have been hired to do the job or booked on the show or asked to open for that person or whatever the thing Damn. may be. I'm going to hold on to this advice really hard because I feel like that's like that. That's that's like feels like game changer advice. So much appreciated. We usually ask an advice portion. Uh, do you feel like that? Do you feel like that's your advice? Or do you have some other solid advice for people who want to do this? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I think yeah. I've been giving, sprinkling it throughout some of the things that I believe. But ultimately, you know, you need to show up. You have to play to win. So you can't let your own self or the circumstances of your life get in the way of the thing that you want, period. I think it is a disservice to your self as an artist and to future fans if you can't show up and show out you know you gotta shine and it, it's helpful to like me like when I see other uh women and queer folks uh and trans folks like out yeah. there fucking just killing it. like I need to see that because for me I'm like if if it can happen for you it can happen for me too so I need to see you win so that I'm like okay I'm in good company. It's going to happen for me one day too. Look, it happened to my friend. Why wouldn't it yeah. happen to me? That's my peer. That's my friend. Is that an approach you take? Um, just like, you know, when you are writing or working on things, do you think about how you want to sort of be an example for other women in comedy? Or is that, I mean, does that play into the way that you approach comedy? No, I I don't. But <laughs> I think it 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 does affect how I behave within the community. I mean, I like to think that I'm supportive of other women. There are probably some women who would tell you otherwise, but for the most part, I hope that my name is clean out in these streets, you know. I want to recommend you. I want to give yeah. your give you the email that you're looking for, the booker's email or, you know, I want to like help you punch up your JFL audition. I I want to see the women in our community and the queer folks too, you know, um, trans folks as well. I need to see, I need to see y'all win. And so if it can, ha again, if it can happen for you, it can happen for me. So how can I be of service to help you do that? That's cool. Are you, are you part of any, uh, any like, <laughs> like groups, like do you, do you mentor anybody like outright or is it, do you just like to sprinkle it? No, I don't mentor anybody outright. I'm not opposed to it. I would, but I don't think it's necessary. I think, you know, you got to take that Mindy Kaling kind of POV on mentoring, which is like, you know, your mentor can be multiple people like and you you don't even need to know mm -hmm. them. You don't need to have met them or worked with them, but you can read articles or see interviews or read their book or whatever um listen to one listen to them on a podcast and be like oh, okay wow that was some like really important shit that is gonna affect the way i operate and um act in in the industry and, and making the moves in my career that's not to say that like some people don't benefit from mentors i know uh lori kilmartin mentors or i don't know if she still does but she mentored marcella arguello for a very long time and like you know marcella is incredible Mm -hmm. so you know i don't know man do you have mentors yeah. or did you have somebody that kind of you were 
learning about and focusing on as you developed your own career? Yeah, I mean, I I read every book written by a female comic that has ever come out. Like, I will just read them all. I oh. think there's a lot of very important good advice in them. You know, I don't think that I... There's so many people who I could just call and ask about stuff. And... But I, I don't think I've had somebody who, like, directly was, like, mentoring me myself. What are some of your favorite books that you've, you've read? I really enjoyed... Miss Pat's book Rabbit. It's not really that much about stand up, but it's about kind of like where she came from and like kind of the the tough yeah. life that she lived previous to stand up. And for me it was like, wow, you know, I haven't gone through, you know, 10% of the shit that she has experienced in her life and like look what she's able to do, you know? Look at the impact she's able to make. So I really love Miss Pat's book. When it first came out, I really liked Amy Poehler's book. Yes, please. Yeah. I have not read it recently, so I could be wrong. I love <laughs> Joan Rivers' Intertalking. It's one that I've read repeatedly. I like everything that Jen Kurtman writes. I love Whitney Cummings' book. I really enjoyed Tiffany Haddish's book, yeah. Ali Wong's book. I loved Ali Wong's book, especially the part where her husband like kind of chimed in, and I was like, listen to this part, boyfriend. Like, Come here, because I listen to audiobooks. I'm like, you need to come listen to this and like understand this is you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah any of those are good just like find who amy schumer's book was good just like find find the lady comic who inspires you read their shit and see if you could take something away from it that's like gonna helpful be helpful to you what's your what do you hope to what's your like dream what do you hope to succeed at like what does success look like to you what what do you want so for me like success would mean buying my mom a house in the valley yeah. um that would be success. That's so sweet. Oh my god. I I'm I if I can like retire her, like that is really what it's about. Um fuck yeah. I think you will. Legit. I'm hoping. That's what yeah. I'm hoping for. I mean, one of these years I'm gonna fuck around and just make some money. So it's gonna be like pretty cool. Yes. But yes. yeah, man. I mean, I the things I wanna do, I wanna like headline, you know, I wanna do casinos, like a cheesy residency somewhere. I think that would be so fucking fun. Hell yeah. I'd like to I'm I'm working on a solo show right now to maybe do it Edinburgh one day. I'd like to tour. I'd like to write for TV. I'd like to have my own TV show. I'd like to act in TV and movies. I'd like to win awards. <laughs> you know, I mean yeah. I'd, I'd like to do all the like big shit, you know. And I hope that even if I don't achieve it in the way that I think I will, I will be happy uh, just to have tried, you know, yeah. and to have like worked towards that no matter what, because it's 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 more about the journey. Right. Yeah. Though, how cool would it be one day to be like, don't you know who I am? I'm Madison <laughs> Shepard from Madison. <laughs> do you know I, the emmy award-winning tv show that broke barriers i hope i'm never like that <laughs> i talked to i talked to my therapist like even even though i'm like just major recurring guest star on the show that i'm doing it's not so i'm not series regular i'm not making real money i'm making like okay money on single drunk female right yes yeah yes. I'm, I'm just i'm i'm not you know, I'm not high on the call list. I'm like in the middle. But we've had to have a lot of discussions about like my biggest fear would be to be like such a fucking egomaniac that I that would be I think that is not healthy. I think it's not helpful. It's not being of service to others. It's 
you know, I, I don't want that. Although I want all the success that that might, you know, cause somebody to behave like that. But I don't want it personally. Does that make sense? It does. <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it yeah. does. Right there with you. Yeah. Just I yeah. want to be normal ish yeah stay a little humble like stay a little connected to reality i always have this thing on like running i i really believe that like having too much money for too long grasps people's brains um yeah right it just turns you like you're so disconnected from reality at that point and it you know that's that's one of my fears is like if i were to become like not like not have a concept of how normal people live anymore yeah yeah 100 percent 100%. 100%. I'm, I'm with you on I, that. I want to be rich. I want to be hella, hella rich. <laughs> I just like, give me all the money. <laughs> what would be what would be rich to you? Oh, I mean, honestly, just like being able to uh, like afford like a meal kit to arrive. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> like to be able to afford freshly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? That's, That's rich. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rich would be like getting my family off of like, off of like government assistance. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that'd be cool. Uh, yeah, buying house in a mama house in the valley. Yeah, like La Bamba. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm going to rewatch that movie. I haven't seen it in so long. My dad went to Pacoima <laughs> Junior High, which is where Richie Valens went to middle school, like junior high. And he talks about it all the time, oh. like all the time. Claim to fame. I love it. That's so sweet. Uh, we're going to end this soon, but I w- did want to ask. So you, you've been friends with Danielle Perez for 15 years. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Long time. Longer? Yeah. How did you be? How did you two become friends? Since we're we're gonna have her on on the show in a couple of weeks. Oh, it's gonna be a juicy app. <laughs> She's great. She is great. She's the greatest. Um, I so Danielle. I went to high school with Danielle's sister, okay. Lilac, and so we were like friends. But essentially, my gay best friend was gay best friending Lilac as well, and so we would have viewing parties at my house every Wednesday to watch America's next top model. And so he was (laughs) tired of being torn between our two households. He said, I cannot do this anymore, Madison. You need to meet them. I mean, you need to meet Danielle um, and come with me to lilacs and we're going to just go watch it with all of them. And I'm like, okay, fine. So I met Danielle. Then we didn't really start. Like we didn't become like really, boot up besties until I was like out of high school though but we met when I was in my senior year I guess it was I was like 17 or something so but we've been friends ever since you know I conned her into starting comedy with me because I didn't want to take the class alone (laughs) yeah no you're welcome (laughs) although most of that shit she did on her own she didn't need me but I did talk her out of going to school I will say that. She was like, maybe I'll study hospitality at Fullerton. I'm like, the fuck? I don't think so. <laughs> We're not doing that. Come hang out in this open mic with me. Yeah, man, we've been we've been besties ever since, you know? That's Long awesome. time. And you do a podcast with her every we do. week? No, bi-weekly. No. Which is so fun to listen to. You can tell that you guys have known each other from a long, for a yeah. long time. Because you, like, are not afraid to, like, give each other yeah. shit. Yes. And, like, it's so fun to listen yeah. to. Yeah. I mean, I'm worried that I'm going to be canceled for some of the stuff that we say on there one day. But, um, 
Yeah. It's actually bi-weekly now because it's yeah. just so much work. As you guys know, it is a lot of work to do a podcast. Yeah. We just switched to weekly, like when we relaunched this uh, last time. And like, this is uh, quite a workload. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. like a couple hours a week. It's like, oh, okay. And yeah. a deadline. A deadline every week, no matter what. Yeah. You don't like, you can't just yeah. be like, oh, I I'll guess I'll get it done Thursday this week. It's like, no, you, you've released on a day. You have to get it done by that day. Yeah. 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 There's something nice about a deadline, though, just to like keep you on, like keep your energy there. Mm hmm. It's good. You got to keep it going. Stay motivated. Um, yeah. Yeah. But also, we got to slow down. Yes. What do you do in your off time? Well, I don't really get up to much. I mean, I I work at a vaccine site. That's what I do in the day. You know, I just like I hang out with my dogs. I watch a lot of TV. Uh, Certain parts of the pandemic, I got really into skincare, like really into skincare. Um, Your skin looks very good. Thank you. Thank you. It's like glowing. Oh, man. I just got out of the shower, so I appreciate that. It's just clean. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I want to get more hobbies. I feel like I used to have a lot more hobbies before comedy, like things that I would go on hikes and go to new restaurants. And if there was, a, I would, I think once shit starts to open back up, I want to go back to seeing plays and going to art galleries and going for hikes and like kind of incorporating some of those, you know, you have to have a life worth commenting on. And I, I, yes. I, I am missing that aspect of uh, my comedy right now, frankly. I have a lot of jokes about the weather right now. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> not a lot happening. Like shit that happens in my apartment and the weather. Uh, that's great uh well we really appreciate you coming coming on and talking to us about about your comedy and what you know your background it's it's really cool your advice was really really awesome and inspiring so thank you yeah good i'm i'm glad you liked it i feel i'm half asleep so i hope i'm like making sense and don't don't sound insane <laughs> oh my oh, gosh totally. no, i am taking so much away from this conversation like i feel so blessed that i get to talk to people like you who are just so freaking like i'm just gonna say like smart about you know life like real life shit not you know what i mean like that can like impart real wisdom and i i appreciate it so much so thank you so much for coming on the podcast to share. This has just been such a joy. Thank y'all for yeah. having me. And thank you for having a listen. When I when I started comedy, I needed a podcast like this to listen to because I just wanted to hear from the girlies, the girlies and the gays <laughs> and the gentle days, pretty much. You know what I mean? And so thank y'all for having a space for folks to talk and share. And I hope some girl comic out there is like, oh, shit, I'm thinking about starting and, and realizes that she can from the work you do. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Ah, that's why we're doing it. Ah, I'm getting emotional. I know, right? I'm like a little bit a little moist. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, oh, Madison, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank y'all for having me. Madison, again, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was so great to have her here. Yes, it really was. And you can check out Madison on social media at Madison Shepherd. Check out her amazing album, uh, Goodnight Silver Lake, and her show coming up on Freeform, uh, Single Drunk Female. Woo, so exciting. Awesome. And if you liked what you heard here and you want to support our podcast and you want to support the network that we're on, we're going to take a second here to tell you about our Patreon and sort of what we're about. Uh, yes, we are the Period Podcast Network. We are a network made by She's and They's for everyone. 
And it's really cool. We're all working together. And the concept behind our network is that everybody, every single podcast that's on the network, we all kind of get paid the same. We are all working together to build up uh, build up each podcast like high tides, raise all ships. Uh, but we need your support in order to do that. <laughs> Kate, tell us a little bit about some of the podcasts that you can see on the Period Podcast Network. Oh my gosh, just so many great podcasts, starting with Tinseltown Tea, which is a movie review and Hollywood gossip podcast. There's Comadres y Comics, which is a podcast that highlights the Latinx community in comic book culture. There's Yes, a Stripper, a podcast about strippers and sex workers in interviews with people in those industries and their allies. There's Girl Boner, which is a health and sexuality and empowerment podcast. Elaine's Cooking for the Soul, which is a post-apocalyptic cooking podcast hosted in a dentist's office. Yes, it's very exciting. And we have a Patreon. Uh, we'd love uh, to see your support if we could. Because, uh, you know, the best way to support is not only just to listen and to appreciate and share, but also, you know, share some of the dollar dollar if you got it. And our price is not high. For $5 a month, you can get, um, ex- uh, you get an exclusive zine that is created by all of the uh, all of the participants on the network, uh, we're creating some really cool artwork, some articles, some poetry. It's really really neat. And then at ten dollars a month, you can uh, you'll get exclusive bonus content from each of the uh, each of the podcasts. Uh, it's very exciting. There's also a bigger option for like a group Zoom that's like twenty dollars, and we highly suggest that because we're all very fun people. So check it out if you support. Uh, marginalized voices in podcasting if you feel like there should be more of them which you should guilt 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 uh check out all of the podcasts on the network you can go to periodpodcastnetwork.com uh you can also find a link to our patreon there thank you so much uh for joining us again and if you can please support the network and support as much as you can women in podcasting and women in in comedy and women in all things the comedy girl Crush podcast